Before we start the show, I just wanted to reach out and say that if you are loving listening to The Truth Prescription as much as we are loving making it, please subscribe to the podcast. Hit that subscribe button. Rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and iHeartRadio, to name a few. And come check us out at www.thetruthprescription.com to get more insights and info, because the truth will set you free if you let it. You know, I hear a lot about people having these aha moments and sometimes they're subtle. Mine was kind of like a fire hose directly in my face. I mean, I was profusely sweating and I'm sitting there. I realized at that moment, everything had changed. We don't always know what our full purpose is, but everybody has one. Gentlemen and ladies, brothers and sisters, people, whoever you are and wherever you are, welcome to the Truth Prescription Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sekou Gathers, and each week I interview successful people from around the world and discuss how accepting the truth can propel your career and help you live a life of gusto and purpose. No mantras, no gimmicks just the truth. So close your eyes and open your ears, and let's get into this. Come on. Good people, welcome back to another edition of the Truth Prescription Podcast. Today, I am interviewing Mr. Mark Anthony. Hello, Mark. Hey, Dr. Gathers. Thanks for having me on your podcast. Absolutely, absolutely. And I'm, I'm going to give a little bit of a disclaimer to my listeners. This will be a very different interview, a very interesting interview probably the most different and interesting interview that I've done in some time. Mark is called the psychic lawyer. Uh, he's an Oxford educated attorney and author who, well, if I can, I'll just say it, communicates with spirits. <laughs> okay. He recently wrote a book called The Afterlife uh, Frequency, which he actually gives some scientific proof of, of that connection. So Mark, I'm really happy to have you and uh, to, to, you know, talk about there's there's 45 different topics, 45 different ways we can go, but I'm happy to to uh, to get into all of it. Yeah, when people find out I'm a lawyer that sees dead people, that usually gets a reaction. <laughs> <laughs> and and your Italian background, right? And they have these whole yeah. mob fantasies and all this other stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's funny. Everybody thinks you know we're all like the Sopranos, right? And, exactly, and, exactly. And it's funny because when when you come to an Italian family gathering. If you're not Italian, everyone thinks we're fighting. It's just because we talk real <laughs> loud, you know? Yeah, conversation. Everything's about food and family, some guilt thrown in, back to food, back to family. And in the end, we all love each other. So Right, right. <laughs> That's funny. All right. So, Mark, let's actually jump right in. For my old listeners, they know what the show's about. For anybody who's listening for the first time, uh, the truth prescription is really about interfacing with truth. The show seeks to ask one important question, and that is, what is the truth you're ignoring and how can you break through from it? Mark, why don't you tell us uh, a story in your life where there was some truth either you were ignoring or you weren't aware of that once you accepted it and began to interface with it, you had a breakthrough in a major way? Okay, yes. Quick background. Both my mother and my father had these abilities. Yes. Being a medium, that is being able to perceive spirits, runs for generations on both sides of the family. Okay. And my dad was a U.S. Navy SEAL and then became a NASA engineer. 
My mom was a commercial illustrator and artist. I have an older brother and an older sister. So from outward appearances, we seem to be just the family next door. You know, my parents, I'm the first one that went, went public with all this. And I began to see spirits when I was around three and a half. And I remember dad was like, don't talk to anybody about this. Just talk to your mother and I, because he was afraid the way I'd be treated. And, and there's reasons for that that, you know, we can possibly go into later. But I was drawn to the clergy, Dr. Gathers, which is not unusual for a medium. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I grew up, I mean, my parents saw spirits when we would eat dinner. We would talk about Jesus and Buddha and Krishna and Yogananda Paramahansa. I mean, we, you know, we had a very broad interpretation and acceptance of other faiths. And I was very close to both of my parents. And when my mother passed, and she passed in her sleep from uh, from heart failure, needless to say, I was devastated. Sure. And you know, I was a senior partner in a law firm, okay? I mean, we did criminal defense, personal injury, head injury litigation. You know, we were a kick-butt, take-names, you know, litigation firm. And I'm driving back from court one day, and that wave of grief hit me and everybody, every one of your listeners, yourself included, I can tell who has lost a loved one, you, you know, like right after the death, it's, it, that's the, the hardest part. And it can even be 10 years later and that wave hits you. And it's not just a wave, it's a tsunami. Yeah. And so I'm driving and it hits me and I decide I need to pull over because I can't break down and start crying. And I certainly don't want to walk into my law firm crying and so I pull into this parking space in this, this strip mall, and I'm just sitting there. Suddenly, this flash of light goes off, and it's in my head, it's in the car, and I'm like, and I turned to the passenger side, and I was alone in the car, or so I thought. You saw your mom. I saw my mom. I saw her silhouette in this silver-white light, yeah. and then her voice filled my head. She said, Mark? You have been given the gift of mediumship so that you would not be crushed by grief. But now you must help those who are suffering with theirs. And your purpose in life is to help people understand that God exists, that heaven exists, that our souls are immortal living beings, that we can communicate with souls, and that we will be reunited in the light that is God when it is your appointed time to leave your material world. All right, so I break out in a sweat and I collapse back in the, the my seat. Now, you know, I hear a lot about people having these aha moments, and sometimes they're subtle. Mine was kind of like a fire hose directly in my face. I mean, I was profusely sweating, and I'm sitting there like, you know, and yeah, I mean, I've been able to perceive spirits my whole life, but this was pretty darn direct. And I realized at that moment everything had changed. And within a couple months of that, I was offered an opportunity to leave the law firm and then work for a government agency. And then within a year of that, the guy that um, who was the elected official, he lost the election. And in that interim, my new book, my first book, Never Letting Go came out. And I remember I was at Harvard University and I was about to give a talk about my book. And I still was working. I was supposed to still be there for, for like three months. And then the elected official called me and he was giving me a hard time. You know, you shouldn't be away and blah, blah, blah. And I said, I'm done. I'm done. 
And I hung up the phone and then I looked at my manager. She, she, Rocky, she travels with me on all my tours. I go, dear God, Rocky, I just quit the practice of law. <laughs> and she said, Mark, take a look around. I go, yeah. She goes, where are you? I go, Harvard. <laughs> she goes, what are you doing in an hour? I go, giving a talk about my book, Never Letting Go. Yeah. She said, do you think this is a coincidence? And, and you know what, Dr. Gathers, I never looked back. Yeah. So the truth was that you had a, a different calling than what you thought. I did, yeah. but now I realize, you know, because, you know, and of course, I remember when I was working at the, that government agency, my boss's political enemies found out about me and leaked it to the press. And they were saying the county's hired a psychic and they were trashing me. There was political cartoons and, and all this. And they didn't hire me because of my spiritual or religious beliefs that yeah. hired me because I've been managing law firms and that's what I was supposed to be doing. You know, yeah. they're making a big deal about my spiritual beliefs. And I said, well, if I was a Muslim, would you be doing this? If I was Jewish, <laughs> would you be doing this? Right. You know, and like, uh, 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 you know, say, like, well, then it became a, a different, a different narrative altogether. And I remember there was this one judge, and he was not a very nice guy. And right after it hit the news about me being a medium, we were having a big organizational meeting. And so the judge was there and representatives from the uh, uh, prosecutor's office, the public defender, all the administrative departments. And I was representing ours. And I walk in and he said, and this judge, this judge, and I have no problem with people of faith. Okay, I mean, I'm people of faith, but we're in a courthouse. Mm -hmm. And every Thursday, he used to use his courtroom to conduct Christian prayer meetings. Okay. Which is clearly a violation of yeah, separation church of state, church yeah. and state. So I walked into his courtroom and he goes, Well, I guess we don't need a probate division because he can see the dead. And everybody started laughing at me. That was that was inappropriate. <laughs> it was very inappropriate. And I said, Your Honor, I like your Christ but I don't like you Christians because you act so unlike your Christ. He goes, how dare you say that? I go, actually, Gandhi said that. He goes, oh, well, well, let's just get to the work. And, you know, Dr. Gathers, karma never loses an address because within two years of that, he got into an argument with one of the assistant public defenders. And, and this was in court. And it was on camera. Mm. He got off the bench and beat up the public defender. And it took the Florida Supreme Court an entire year to decide he was unfit to be on the bench. Right. I mean, to me, that should have been the next day by 2 p.m., yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And so karma never loses an address. Yeah, no, I like that. When's the last time you were in a courtroom as an attorney? How many years ago? It has got to be, let me see, it was when Never Letting Go came out, which was 2011. But I keep okay. my certification up because I'm on a lot of shows as a legal analyst. Okay. I've been on national TV and radio as a legal analyst okay. for high profile cases. And believe it or not, when the legal system and the paranormal collide, and that happens more than you might think. You know, people claiming they're possessed by the devil and that's why they had to go murder somebody. I do a whole series of interviews on Coast to Coast AM on haunted real estate. You know, the things that go bump in the night, bump up or bump down property values. <laughs> and, and there's and there's actually been cases that went up to the uh, New York State Supreme Court, which rescinded the contract for the sale of a house because the people that bought it said that it wasn't disclosed that it had a paranormal oh, reputation. Wow. Wow. And uh, I think there's something like a dozen states now 
that have a disclosure law that if your house has a paranormal reputation, that this must be disclosed before you sell it. And then there's other places like the Lizzie Borden house in Massachusetts that just went on the market earlier this year. Oh, they made a killing, no pun intended, but they, <laughs> they made a killing off of it because people want to buy the Lizzie Borden house because supposedly it's, uh, it's haunted. So when situations like this arise, I've become the media's go-to guy when there is something like that. So I still work as a legal analyst, but I've devoted my life to my work as, as a uh, medium, near-death experience researcher and a an, uh, paranormal investigator. Yeah, I think, you know, it's something to be said, particularly, you know, for the listeners about when an opportunity is presented to you and you have to make a choice about, you know, should I stay in this occupation or should I transition to do something else? That you are a real life example. I am a real life, real life example of people who just said, you know what, I'm going to bet on me. And whatever, whatever it takes, whatever, you know, whatever I have to pay for this, meaning not monetarily, but whether time, energy, et cetera, I'm going to do it. I remember the last day I walked out the hospital, I, I had this really eerie feeling. I didn't know that was my last day, but I just had this really eerie feeling. I looked back, I saw the doors close and I thought, hmm, there's something about this that feels, feels interesting. And, and lo and yeah, behold, it's kind of like that, the doors were like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it wasn't just they closed, it was <laughs> Well, I, I, yeah, I love in I, your I know, story yeah. how you're getting ready to talk about a book called Letting Go, and you need you you needed to let go. <laughs> well, the intent of my first book, Never Letting Go, it's a guide on the journey through grief, is yeah. that you have to let go of the grief and sorrow and the regrets and the pain associated with the death of a loved one, but never let go of the love that you have for that person. Yeah. So when I was on the Never Letting Go tour, people started asking me all sorts of questions about how does this happen? Do animals have souls? Does hell exist? You know, uh, what are the repercussions of suicide? And then I wrote my second book, Evidence of Eternity. And then in the years since then, I realized I needed to write a another book, but but one that was very different from anything that's out there. From anything any other medium has written, any other NDE, near-death experience researcher. And I wanted a serious scientific explanation of how the different forms of spirit communication occur. And in Dr. Gathers, you know, it's not just communication through a medium. Everybody receives some form of contact from loved ones in spirit. It could be during the sleep state in a dream. It could be making sense of your near-death experience or in deathbed visions. Deathbed visions are really fascinating because when somebody is, is dying, terminally ill, and people in close physical proximity, be it hospice workers, family, close family, friends, and people start seeing spirits. The person who's dying it may be talking to or interacting with people that have already passed and people in close proximity pick up on this. And we've been studying this and we're receiving reports on this globally. I mean, there's even an Iranian branch of the International Association of Near-Death Studies. And traditionally in a, you know, in a Muslim country, spirit communication is, is looked at as a bad thing, but their scientists and their doctors are presenting uh, case studies. Same things are coming out of China which is a you know, typically atheist country, Russia, um, all over Asia, South America, Europe, the United States, Africa, 
And so what we're seeing is that there are commonalities between different forms of spirit communication. So I'm taking that even further because traditionally contact through a medium, a visitation, near-death experience, a shared death experience, a deathbed vision, out-of-body experience, it's like a salad bar. You know, they've all been put in different canisters. And it's like, no, they all have a common denominator. It's all about energy transfer and frequency alignment. And so that was the genesis for the afterlife frequency. Yeah, talk, talk a little bit about um, about the afterlife frequency. Just, I really like the the title, you know, the, well, the subtitle. But just tell folks when they, you know, read the book, what can what, what types of things can they expect in there? It's not about turning you into a medium. A lot of my colleagues are like, here, turn you into a medium. Look, some <laughs> of us are mediums and some of us aren't. It's right. like some of us are fantastic musicians and singers and others of us are not. Right. I mean, I can swim, but I'm never going to be winning gold medals at the Olympics for swimming. And, you know, I can I can dribble a basketball, but forget about me ever making the NBA. I mean, right. you know, we're all <laughs> we're just all good at doing different things. Yeah. But with the afterlife frequency, I explain how the different forms of spirit communication occur. And, and I remember when I was eight years old. And I was talking to my dad and, you know, he was a, he worked with NASA. So my dad was my hero. He worked with astronauts. I mean, I just thought he was the coolest guy. And he said to me, he said, Mark, there's no such thing as a mystery. There's only a question for which we do not yet have the answer. And if enough research, science and dedication go into something, then you'll find the answer. And so what happened was that that made me realize that there is an explanation for everything. So the afterlife frequency, excuse me, frequency will explain how the different forms of spirit communication, near-death experiences, mediumship, visitations, deathbed visions occur Mm. and explains how it happens, why it happens, where it happens, and how you can increase your awareness to them. And I explain it in in part through quantum physics. Now, I know as soon as people hear quantum physics, they think, oh, dear God, this book's going to be like liquid cement. Trust me, I suffered through enough boring books in law school and in the practice of law. I do not inflict that on anyone. I learned as a lawyer how to take complex concepts and put it in a way anybody can understand it and want to read it. And then I illustrate it with stories. You know, some are really fast moving, some are gripping, some are are humorous, but they explain how this happens. I've just been very, very humbled by the incredible response since the book's release in, in early October. It has shot to number one as an Amazon bestseller. It's already in a second printing. Columbia University notified me that it's been submitted for a Pulitzer Prize. Mm. And, and then I was reeling from that when I get Shirley MacLaine's newsletter, the legendary film actress and spiritual icon, and she recommends it as, uh. as, as recommended reading. Wow. And I'm like, talk about, I mean, I, I'm so humbled by that. And, and I certainly am, am thanking, thanking God for that. Yeah, it's, it's definitely humbling. You know, I was thinking about you and and your family. I know you said you come from several generations of this. When your parents sort of found out that you had this, we'll, we'll just say this gift, right? It's a gift and a curse. You had this gift. How <laughs> yeah. how were you sort of supported? Or you know, what were some of the early conversations they were having with you about this? 
Well, I was three and a half and I started talking to my invisible friends. And, and most toddlers are talking to, to somebody that nobody else can see. But when mommy and daddy see them, <laughs> uh, I remember mom going, oh, he's got it. And my dad, oh, he's got it. Yeah. Like that. And I remember my dad, when I was getting ready to start school, when I was five years old, he said, Mark, do not talk about this to anyone except your mother and I, because people who see things others don't get taken away. Dr. Gathers, that really scared me. He could see I was frightened. And then he yeah. said, you know, and he, he was, my dad was really cool. You know, even though he was like a tough alpha male guy, he always hugged us. He told us he loved us. Yeah. You know, he was just a nice guy, you know, yeah. a bit of a badass. I mean, it was a, he was a Navy SEAL to the fingertips, but, but he loved his family. And I found out why he was so afraid for me. About 20 years before I was born, he had three sisters. And one of them, Marjorie, was a medium like him, as was his mother, Isabel, and his maternal grandmother, Grace. And Margie, Marjorie was married to this guy who was a religious extremist, and he didn't like what she was doing. Mm. And one day he was getting ready to go to work. He was a machinist. He worked at a steel plant in Pennsylvania. And she said to him, she goes, I have a terrible feeling that you can't go to work today. Oh, you and that voodoo stuff. And they got into a big argument. She screamed and pleaded, and he, fine, I'll stay home. Well, Dr. Gathers, that day, a crane was lifting thousands of pounds of steel beams and the cable snapped and it crushed the machine shop that he worked in and killed everybody in it. Wow. Yeah, all right. Now, if he'd been there, chances are like 99.9% he would have been killed. Now, you would think that he would feel that, oh, what a wonderful gift. He felt that, um, you know, th these were devils or demons that were contacting her. So he found a psychiatrist who diagnosed her as schizophrenic and she was forcibly extracted from her home and subjected to electroshock therapy in a mental institution for over six months. They did so much damage to her brain that afterwards, uh, you know, I understand she was just a shadow of herself. Sure. Um, she was like very introverted, wouldn't talk about seeing spirits. So here I am 20 plus years later, and I'm, you know, seeing, seeing spirits. And so my father was afraid that things like that, that would happen again. But on my mother's side of the family, they were of Italian descent. And they looked at it, they called it the gift of second sight. And my mother's grandmother, her name was Giovanna, she came over from Italy. And in the New York and uh, Little Italy and the nor northern New Jersey uh, communities, she was referred to as the woman who knows things. In fact, when PBS did a special on the Italian-Americans in 2016, they actually did an entire segment on Giovanna and mm -hmm. even referenced her psychic abilities. Wow. And I remember, like, you know, when we were seeing that on the phone, I'm calling all my cousins. Where, and we're where like, oh, my God, was she? She lived in Little Italy, but then they moved to Newark, New Jersey. Into Newark, okay, okay. Yeah, into Newark. Yeah. And um, people came to her for her wisdom. She lived into her 90s, a very pious woman. Even officials from the Catholic Church would come to, to consult with her. I mean, cardinals, bishops, and she used to um, help take care of nuns. She did great charity works. Mm. Uh, she, she just loved people. And... And so, you know, my mother inherited that ability as well. So 
the Italian side of the family looked at it as a gift from God. And my dad's side of the family from Pennsylvania, they're very conservative Christians. But when they did it, it was all like, you know, behind closed doors. Right. More hidden. More hidden. Okay. So it sounds like you were supported, but there was also some safeguards put in there because they didn't want you be taken away. <laughs> exactly. Well, my dad was afraid, you yeah. know, I mean, it's, it's hard enough being a kid, but when you're a weird kid, yeah. you know, and, and it's, it's funny because my family had this reputation in the neighborhood, you know, we weren't quite the Adams family, but we were close, you know, people knew there was something a little bit different about us, but I'll never forget uh, at my mom's service, how many people were there? People came in from other States and everything. And they always said, your mother was so special. She always made me feel good. People mm -hmm. saying she told me something about myself that changed my life. You know, so not everybody may have abilities like this, Dr. Gathers. But what I've learned is that everybody matters. Everybody counts. You may think that, you know, maybe you're sitting on a bus and, you know, you've got a bunch of kids and you feel like, well, what am I doing in life? And then somebody on that bus opens up and tells you their life story and you give them the time and the respect to listen. You may never see that person again, but you may have also saved that person's life. Maybe he or she was contemplating suicide and for once in their life, somebody validated them. So we don't always know what our full purpose is, but everybody has one. And every life matters. Everybody counts. Yeah. It's true. You know, I, I wanted to, um, you, you we're talking about family. This thought just came to me about your, because you have two other siblings. And I do. You, you're the only one in the family who's sort of gone public with this. How do you interact with them? Oh, fine. You know, they're my brother and sister. Yeah. I love them. You know, we punch each other's buttons. And, <laughs> and uh, they're very good at premonitions. My brother will pick up on things before they, they happen. Okay. Like I remember I was talking to him on the phone one day and he goes, I got a bad feeling. Something's going to happen to my son. I go, well, what do you mean? He goes, like, he's going to cut himself or something. And I go, what? And all of a sudden I hear this screaming, dad, dad, I cut myself. Cause he was working outside. He was only like, you know, 14 or 15 mm -hmm. and he was cutting something with a saw and it slipped and sliced his hand open. Right. My brother's oh. like, gotta go. You know, I mean, he, he, you know, picked up on that, that right away. You know, my sister too, they're very intuitive, but, but I'm the medium. Okay. And you know, they're very, yeah, they, they love me. Uh, we're, we're a very close family always have been. And you know, it's like, I miss my parents physical presence yeah. here very much, but I'm so grateful for their spiritual presence. Would you say that I'm sort of getting a sense that mediumship could be on a spectrum with yes. intuition somewhere over here and, me and mediumship somewhere over here. Do you, do you see a connection there, right? Because similar to what you said, you can dribble a basketball, but you're not going to, you know, make the NBA. For people that have some basic intuition, do you feel like this is along the same similar spectrum? Absolutely. And one of the things that I teach in the afterlife frequency is how anyone even those who aren't a medium can benefit from this. And I was, I was trying to figure out how to, how to say this. And, and I was working on my book and I hit writer's block. Okay. Like head on writer's block, nothing was going to happen. So I thought, all right, I'm going to go for a walk. So heading out my driveway and I was heading uh, and all of a sudden I get these cold chills and tingles and I go, okay, I'm feeling some type of spiritual activity. I do an about face. I head in the opposite direction down the spike path. 
So I'm walking down this bike path and all of a sudden I see these two objects shining in the sun. And I walk up to them and it's a nickel and a penny. And I go to pick them up and I hear, you know, my, both my parents are in spirit and I, and I hear my mother's voice. If they're not heads up, it's bad luck. And I'm laughing because that's the Italian side of the family. There's a superstition for all occasions, you know, you know, never walk under a ladder. God forbid you break a mirror. And if a penny or a nickel is, you know, and then I hear my dad's voice, it's money, grab it. So I'm laughing, you know, right. so I pick up this penny, and this nickel, and I'm looking at Six them cents. in my hand and I, yeah. And then I go Six right. cents. Six cents. Yeah. And then it happened. The cold chills and tingles, which is electromagnetic activity because spirits are electromagnetic energy. And I see an image of my father standing in the ocean up to his waist, and he was holding this blue canvas raft that he had when I was a kid. And he was a Navy SEAL, a diving instructor, I mean, a scuba diver and a swimming instructor. And then it dawned on me what he was telling me, raft, teach people how to recognize signs from spirits, accept the contact is real, feel it without fear, trust the message. That was it. And I ran back, the words just flew out of me, and that is how the raft technique. And the raft technique can be applied to any form of spirit communication, not just contact through a medium or not just something like that. But what if you have a dream where your deceased loved one comes and talks to you? And it's not like a typical dream because it feels real. It has a beginning, a middle, and an end. What if you had a near-death experience and you're trying to make sense of that? I want to go out on a limb here as well, because deathbed visions, deathbed visions, that's where somebody is dying and they begin talking to a deceased loved one. Mm. And, and I'm not trying to play politics or, or no. start anything here, but as an NDE researcher, and, and I study deathbed visions and as a medium, we've all seen the, the, that horrific video of George Floyd's passing. And one of the things that he said before he died was, Mama, I'm through. And I watched that and I played it back. And now, admittedly, he used to refer to his his girlfriend occasionally as Mama, but he was extremely close to his mother. And he said, Mama, I'm through. It is my theory, and I presented this at the International Association for Near-Death Studies, that this may be the most heavily documented evidence of of a deathbed vision in history because he was dying and the person he was closest to in his entire life was the one that he saw. Now, I have examined this and examined this. And when I presented this at IONS, International Association Near Death Studies, a lot of their top researchers got hold of me and said, Mark, we never even thought of that. But the more we're looking at it, this is what this appears to be. There is nothing positive about what happened there. Right. But it has... Most most near-death experiences are, you know, people are in hospice or they're... Yeah, they're not being filmed. They're not not being forced (laughs) to die. They're not being forced to die, you know, but... Even even my own grandmother, I, I wasn't there, but my mom did say, like, you know, she was there with her when she died. And right at the end, she started talking to someone, you know, in in those moments. Yeah. Yeah. And see, see now in this era where, you know, we've all got the almighty cell phone with us all the time. Yeah. And, you know, and once again, I don't want to get into the the whole politics and and all that of it. (laughs) Believe me, I have my opinions (laughs) uh, on that, you know, because I've, I've worked, you know, with law enforcement and then as a defense attorney. And I, I, 
look, I, you know, systemic racism is a real thing, okay, right across the board. And, and it's got to change. Maybe George Floyd is that pebble that starts the proverbial avalanche mm-hmm. of change. Sure. Also, maybe this as photographic evidence of a deathbed vision is going to open up more avenues of study on this. Yeah. Because like you said, Dr. Gathers, you know, most people when they are actively dying aren't being filmed like this. Yeah, they aren't being filmed. Right, right. This part of the show, I usually do something called Yes or BS, um, which is something I've been doing for years. But I think today I'm going to do a little something different. I I was thinking about it while you were talking. I'm just going to say a word. And um, you tell me the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear this, when you hear this word, just got a couple. Oh, I like that. Okay. All right. Number one, spirits. Love. Number two, intuition. Truth. Number three, soul. Eternity. Number four, John Edwards. Nice guy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> great. Great. All right. Excellent. Excellent. That's all I got, Mark. This was, this was good. I like. I, I think. Uh, I think the people got some some good info to, uh, especially that last part. We're talking about the, the sort of the grief, crime, grief um, cycle because uh, a lot of people turn to my show, you know, for insights, you know, for things or t- tools that they can use in in their own life to help them to navigate uh, issues. Your ministry, see, that's part of your ministry because it's really important with the the grief, crime, grief circle, uh, especially as men. Yeah. All right. And, and, you know, if we have just a sec, men tend to shy away from their feelings. They don't want to express them. The only socially acceptable emotion for a man to display in public is anger. (laughs) Yeah, that's real healthy. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We have tear ducts and feelings for a reason. And my father in the Navy SEAL said two things to me, which which I will never forget, is that a real man is never afraid to say, I love you. And a real man is never afraid to cry for someone he loves who has died. Mm. Nice, nice, nice. Rest in peace. Uh, what, was your, what was your dad's name? His name was Earl. Earl, Earl Anthony. Earl. Rest in peace. Yeah, there's a lot of Earls in the family. Uh, <laughs> my nephew is Earl number four. And uh, my, and my, 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 nephew's, <laughs> my nephew and my brother are so funny because like when they're having kids, they said, if it's a boy, it's Earl. If it's a girl, it's going to be Earlene. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so, that's hilarious. They they kept it simple. Kept it simple. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Mark, tell the people how they can reach you and where they can find your books and you know just get more information about you. Certainly. Um, the best place is my website, afterlifefrequency.com. I invite you to sign up for my newsletter if you want to find out about scheduling um, a telephone session with me, which are just as accurate as in-person readings. Find out about buying my book. Um, and if you sign up for my newsletter, it'll give you the heads up on when I'll be on shows like like this one with Dr. Gathers. <laughs> and you can also purchase my book. It'll give you the hyperlink to Amazon. But the Afterlife Frequency is on sale worldwide at all fine bookstores, Barnes & Noble, on Amazon.com. And you can find out about that at afterlifefrequency.com. Perfect. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. It's my pleasure uh, and an honor to be here. Absolutely. I will sign off as I always do, which is the truth will set you free if you let it. Mm.